And now, live from beautiful Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, you're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Collins. Yes. Oh, no, my goodness. <laughs> I didn't know that. Thank you so much. Oh, please. Please, thank you. Oh, God. Every week with this. Oh, thank you. Keep clapping. Clap. Clap for the miracle. How would we know that you wanted the miracle if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen, and I just realized my shirt's doing the thing with the blue, the green screen. And I don't know why, because it's not a green shirt. It's like a blue shirt. I don't know. Anyway, uh, thanks again for joining today, this week. Uh, it's going to be a very special episode. Why? Because you're here. No. But also, it's going to be a special episode because we're going to be talking about something very near and dear to my heart. As you more than likely know, uh, I am a recovering addict, uh, about 16 years clean now, almost 16 years. And uh, I think that the war on drugs is an absolute atrocity, as you know. And uh, unfortunately, there are, it is very difficult to come up with or to, to have a an alternative uh, for those who are in addiction when the uh, police state is often uh, using them as a reason to fill up their jails and push for more jails. Uh, and we're going to be talking to someone who is reversing that and uh, and saving a lot of lives in the process. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Uh, as you know, this is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out everywhere. All social media platforms, all podcasting platforms, muddywatersmedia.com, and obviously including however you are watching or listening to this right now. And however you are watching or listening to this right now, be sure to like it, like us, follow us, subscribe to us, whatever the thing is called on whatever you are watching or listening to this on. Be sure to do the thing that lets you be notified of our comings and goings on that on that platform. And if it's on YouTube, be sure to hit the bell. Don't just press subscribe, hit the bell next to it because I want your phone to literally explode with notifications every single time we go live. Be sure to uh, share this, of course, right this very second. The last thing I want is for you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a libertarian podcast that's roughly an hour long on a Wednesday evening. Give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode, of course, oh, how could I forget? In addition, you can become a subscriber to Muddy Waters Media. Yes, you too can join the muddied, we need to come, militia? The we haven't come up with a name for what subscribers are, but you can become a Muddy Waters Media subscriber by going to anchor.fm slash muddywaters slash subscribe. Uh, you can, in when you do that, for less than, for less than $10, one penny less than $10, you will get access to exclusive subscriber-only content, uh, as well as an ad-free listening experience on Anchor and on Spotify. And you will also have exclusive access to our monthly private Zoom meeting, the Money Zoom. That's what we call it. Uh, so be sure to do that. Anchor.fm slash muddywater slash subscribe. Join today. Become a part of the Muddy family. The Mud people. I really, we have to settle on a name. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the second largest caucus in the party and the fastest growing caucus in the party. And yes, that is real and true that that is everything I said is true. So become a part of the movement that is taking over the liberty movement uh, by joining the exclusive Facebook group. And by exclusive, I mean, we'll let anyone in there. Just watch. When you press join, you will be a member. 
Uh, it's the Facebook group Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. Or if you'd like to become an official voting member, which means nothing because we don't, we don't vote on it. It's a meme group. If you want to join this thing or if you want to have some stuff with this sweet-ass logo on it, uh, be sure to go to the Muddy Waters Media store, muddywatersmedia.com, and press the store button, and you can pick up a Waffle House Caucus shirt or button. The Gravy King! Mudwater, the most uh, appropriately named sponsor of Muddy Waters Media. If you woke up today and said, Spike, I am so sick of coffee. I don't want to drink coffee ever again. What I want instead is masala chai, whatever that is, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and literally nothing else. Well, folks, I have some fantastic news for you. We have that in a tin. Like the one this man is holding if you're watching this. If you're listening, uh, everyone is seeing a man holding a tin right now. Well, I presume it's a man. Anyway, if you go to muddywatersoffreedom.com slash mud, you can get a starter pack of mud water, which is all of those things I just said mixed together. And if you're wondering what that tastes like, just picture all of those things I just said mixed together. You're going to want to add honey. But it is good. It's good for you. That's the best kind of good is when it's good for you. That's what I tell myself when I drink it. Anyway, uh, it's got one-seventh of the cup of coffee, of cup of coffee, just enough caffeine to get you excited for the day like this, but not so much caffeine that you end up crashing at the end of the day and later in your life suffering from heart problems and high blood pressure like this. I don't, there's not really a look for high blood pressure, but you don't need that in your life. Uh, so be sure to become a part of the one-seventh of a caffeine in a cup of coffee revolution by going to muddywatersoffreedom.com slash mud to get your kit today. Defy the power in stitches and glitches. Make the finest tumblers that have ever been made by anyone ever. It keeps your hots hot. It keeps your colds cold. It keeps your, keeps your lukewarms lukewarm and your tepids tepid. Whatever temperature you put a liquid in this container... It will keep at that exact temperature for an ungodly number of hours. And I can sell you that as someone that owns many of these. Uh, they make incredible, incredible product. It also comes with a kit that you can add to the top that makes it into a water pipe, not a bong, not a bong, a water pipe. It is a legal product in all 50 states. It is used for legal things that are legal. A water pipe kit. Do not break the law. Go to Defy the Power and Stitches and Glitches. Not only will they do free customization, which is insane when you consider the amount of customization that they can do. I mean, they will make something that they will never make again just for you for free. It doesn't cost any more. That's crazy. But also, up until the end of this month, if you go to stitchesandglitches.com or defythepower.com and make and order your tumbler, if you use the code MUDDYTUMBLER, you get an additional 10% off. They're practically giving it away. Now, I know what you're thinking. Spike, that was way too many sponsors. I don't want to watch a show that has that many sponsors. In fact, I'm thinking of suing you. Well, good luck, pal, because if you're in Florida, I'm going to sue you back with personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. That's right, folks. If you live in the Florida area and you've been personally injured, Chris Reynolds would be happy to represent you in court. If you go to chrisreynoldslaw.com, Chris Reynolds will get you just absurd amounts of money. Like, just stupid. I mean, he can't guarantee that, but I will because I... I have no, I mean, you, you're going to sue me for jokingly saying, well, actually, I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. Dumb amounts of money. Just big, like the rappers in the music videos where they're pretending that they're calling their mother on the phone, but it turns out, oh, this isn't a cell phone. This is a giant stack of $100 bills. That could be you. ChrisReynoldsLaw.com. 
I would like to, oh, the intro and outro music to this and every episode of the Money of My Fellow Americans uh, comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook. Go to his SoundCloud. Go to his Bandcamp, joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography. It's like $25. He just, every almost every month or so, he drops more hits. Be sure to go in there. Joe Davi, thank you so much. I'd like to thank Le this delicious yes i'm still doing sponsors this delicious purified drinking water that i drink on most episodes of my fellow americans bull of anaka shout out shout out to taron turks's mom and him as always the sponsorships are now over officially folks thank you uh and now we get to the real p- purpose of this show that i'm so excited about folks my guest tonight has been described as a different kind of drug warrior and he is, I would say, self-described. I would describe him as a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he is the CEO of Blueprints for Addiction Recovery, Inc., which is a multi-site drug and alcohol treatment provider in, in Pennsylvania. He's the co-founder of Second Chance PA, uh, a pre-arrest diversionary program offering individuals opportunities for treatment instead of incarceration. In addition to that, he has been involved in starting or investing in about a dozen other companies. Uh, and he is also, like myself, in long-term uh, recovery from addiction. And uh, I cannot wait to have this conversation with him. The work he's doing is incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, please welcome to the show Mr. Chris Dreisbach. Chris, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Spike. I'm really, really looking forward to this chat, too. Yeah, no, this is going to be awesome, man. And folks, be sure to uh, ask us your thoughts and questions. And Chris and I will tell you if you are right or wrong. Now, Chris, uh, first of all, uh, we need to do a a special shout out, don't we? Uh, You are a libertarian. uh, And you were telling us uh, that your uh, mother and father for the first time uh, voted libertarian in this uh, in the I guess the 2020 election. Tell us tell us about that. Well, uh, you know, for for the longest time, they've had to listen to me talk about libertarianism. And, uh, <laughs> you know, for the longest time, I'm not sure if they listened. Uh, if they are listening right now, maybe they can comment on that. But uh, you know, finally, I think they got tired of uh, trash choices being thrown out, and yes. finally, they jumped ship and, and came over and realized that the the right choice is the only two sane options that were available on that ballot. <laughs> That's right, folks. Annoy your loved ones into voting libertarian. I, 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 I would have loved to do a study on how many people became libertarians because they just couldn't take being annoyed by it anymore. And they're like, okay, fine. And then once they're here, they're like, okay, no, I'm definitely a libertarian. But it took someone like, like you're a libertarian over and over. It's like, okay, fine, fine. Just shut up about it. Anyway, what, what, is your, what are your parents' names again? Mary and Ken. Mary and Ken, shout out to the two of you. Thank you for joining the movement. We will try to tone it down on the annoyance from moving forward. Uh, but thank you again. Uh, but uh, Chris, this is your first time on the show. And uh, whenever I have someone on for the first time, hopefully the first of many, uh, I always open by asking uh, you to tell basically your Genesis story. Everyone has a reason for why they are pursuing what they are pursuing in life and trying to find fulfillment in and, uh, you know, sometimes it's an aha moment. Sometimes it's something that's happened over time. Uh, but everyone has their Genesis story. Tell us the Chris Dreisbach story. Well, that's a, that's a long tale. But I think to sum it up uh, pretty quickly, 
I, you know, grew up in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, the area of Lehigh Valley. And, you know, I had literally everything I needed. I had, you know, my mom and dad are still together, as we just discussed. You know, I grew up in a great yeah. suburban area. There's really uh, very few reasons for a kid like me to turn out the way that I did. And the way that I did was I, you know, got involved in, in drinking and I got, you know, found marijuana, the very dangerous marijuana. And uh, <laughs> that was a joke. Please, please yes. note the dangerous thing. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and then I, I kind of moved into pharmaceuticals and psychedelics and I found uh, cocaine and then I found heroin. And heroin kind of mm. took me to a whole different level and a whole different world, you know, from being a, a good suburban kid. Uh, you know, growing up the right way and, and doing everything I was supposed to do uh, all the way into, you know, frequent incarceration, frequent trips to treatment centers, frequent trips to psych wards, frequent trips to different doctors to try and figure out what's going on, just trips to everywhere. We're trying to encounter anybody that could help me figure out what was going on with me. And that, you know, that was, <laughs> that was a lot of difficulty and a lot of pain and a lot of suffering kind of goes along with that and not yeah. just suffering for me suffering for my parents my brothers my yeah. community everybody around me suffered because of my medical problem you know having yeah. substance use disorder literally tore our entire family's lives apart and it's something that thankfully now several years later we know the answer to we know how to treat it and that is why I'm so passionate about uh, assisting other people finding treatment and getting help. That's incredible that you're doing that, man. Like I said, I mean, I I am someone who and we talked about the first time we spoke on the phone. Um, it's truly one of those, you know, there but for the grace of God things. I I I could have ended up in prison and going through the criminal justice system. And, and fortunately for me, I, I just I never did. I was that one of those lucky people that just never never got caught at the wrong time. And, and, you know, and as a result of that, I was able to get help, but not having to, you know, deal with the the after effects of that. Now, I know, unfortunately, that wasn't your situation, you actually did have some run ins uh, with the criminal justice system that have led you to want to come up with a better alternative. Why don't we talk? Why don't you talk about that a little bit? And we can get into what you're doing to make sure your story never has to be anyone else's story. Sure. So uh, 2016, you know, I should prob probably back up a little bit. Uh, sure. You know, I finally, after three trips to jail, uh, several trips to treatment centers that were lackluster at best, um, I finally landed in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I still live. And I um, was given at least enough therapy to at least allow me to begin my life over again. And if you if you think about it for a second here, when I got to Lancaster, I was a 20 year old kid. I was 20 years old in 2007. And, yeah. you know, when I got here to Lancaster, I had 20 plus thousand dollars in court cost fees, fines, babysitting fees, uh, yeah. you know, all the way down to my parole officer's Red Bull from when he came to pick me up for court the one time. That was on my court cost thing. And, you know, I got here to Lancaster. I was 20 years old. I had felonies. Uh, several misdemeanors, a bunch of summaries, just an ugly, ugly record with $21,000 plus the court cost fees and fines. And, you know, anytime you ask an average person to dig out of a hole like that, it's not going to be simple. It's going to be extremely yeah. difficult, if not impossible, 
for most yeah. people. And that's how it felt to me. It looked impossible when I was looking at the future of my life. I felt like I was on this vicious cycle where I was going to go to jail and I was going to get out and I was going to go back to jail and I was going to fail and I was going to get out and I was going to fail over and over and over ad infinitum until the end of time. And at 20 years old, that's all I saw on the horizon. And that is one of the saddest things to think about, that a person at yeah. 20 years old who's, you know, should be at the beginning of their life and doing all of those things that people get to do, like go to college and develop relationships with people and work and do those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't yeah. really have that. So, so. $20,000 in debt. And I know it's on the scale of things minuscule, but it's truly insult to injury. They charged you for the Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, a couple of them actually, but it was pretty funny. Which is, yeah, I mean, again, it's, I mean, on this, it's like, okay, you know, 20,000 plus seven bucks for all the Red Bulls or whatever, but, but just the fact that it's like, no, actually, you're paying for every single aspect of this. And it's like you said, if you went up to almost anyone in this country right now and said, imagine if tomorrow you owed 20 grand in addition to whatever else you got going on, you just, 20 grand you got to pay it and uh and you're gonna you're gonna have problems if you don't pay that if you're not paying that in the structured way that they've told you to pay it oh boy are the problems you're gonna have uh forget foreclosure you're gonna be back in yeah yeah you just go back to jail so uh, not anymore thankfully they've changed that at least around here a few years ago uh but when it was happening to me the penalty for not being able to pay was you go back to jail the penalty for not having a job is you go to jail. The penalty for all the things that you have to do is you go back to jail. But the great dilemma is having come out of jail, I can't get a job. To this day, I'm still not qualified to work at McDonald's because of my criminal record. Right. I am right. the CEO of a licensed medical facility. I'm also a you know licensed real estate agent and all these other yeah. things, but I'm not qualified to work at McDonald's. And there's just something so intrinsically wrong with anything like that, uh, that it just infuriates me, not because of me, I've been able to do a whole lot for myself, but it infuriates me for the people who aren't able to do that. The people who are just, just stuck in that hole. And it was my mind that we can't forgive. We can't forgive and forget. We can't let people move on with their lives when they've paid their fines they've paid their fees i paid my time i did all the things that i was supposed to do but i'm saddled for the remainder of my days as a dangerous a dangerous dangerous criminal and the thing is that for the dangerous crime of putting something in your own body um that what's and what's incredible about that is i mean thankfully you have a mind towards you know business success you have an entrepreneurial mindset which is not common you have a very supportive family that I'm sure has been very helpful along the way. A lot of people that are in addiction don't have those things. They don't have that, you know, get up and go. Uh, and it's not even get up and go. They don't have a mindset towards building and, and growing successful businesses. Most people don't, which is fine. But if they can't work for someone else and they don't have that mindset for starting their own business, 
they're pretty much screwed, especially when they're often not allowed to leave the state. They're not allowed to get certain licenses for, you know, doing a trade. Like there's, it, it, they really are limited in their options and they often either don't have a supportive family or even if their family is supportive, you know, they're also mired in poverty or criminal justice problems and things like that. And it just becomes this vicious cycle. And then we're shocked that the recidivism rate is in the 80 and 90 percentile range for most crimes, especially drug related crimes. Now, um, so you were saying, you know, fast forward to 2016, and and I, I think that's where we left off. Yeah, well, fast forward to 2016, we uh, we opened Blueprints for Addiction Recovery, which is, as you've said, a multi-site drug and alcohol treatment center uh, here in Pennsylvania. And uh, it was probably two years later in 2018 uh, when we were in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, and we got a new police chief. And what usually will happen when you have a drug and alcohol rehab in a town, you have to go meet the police chief and say, hey, how are you? You know, just sorry, we've got a bunch of people recovering from substance use disorder here in your town. There may right. be some problems occasionally, whatever, you know. And we were expecting to sit down for a five, 10 minute, you know, quick chat. And it turned into a two and a half hour conversation about what we can do to work together to help people mm. in the community. And I did not expect that in any way, shape or form, because for the most, most of my youth, I looked at the police as my mortal enemy. I hated them because every time I encountered those guys, I got put into a cage and I could not stand them. There's so much stigma between the police and people in the substance use community. Oh, yeah. That's really unnecessary because what I've found, at least here in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, our police are really forward-thinking helpers. I mean, we have encountered hundreds and hundreds of officers that are willing to do anything they can for the people in our area. And they latched onto this program within seconds of hearing about it. I mean, it was unbelievable when we were sitting down with Chief Cunningham and he was talking about what he wanted to do and what we wanted to do. It really meshed perfectly. So we sat down and within a couple of weeks, we had developed this program, Second Chance PA, where we would supply certified recovery specialists who are individuals who have been in recovery for at least 18 months, and then go through a certification process to learn a little bit more about how to identify with people, de-escalate situations, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And uh, those CRSs would be supplied to law enforcement and to the community 24 hours a day, seven days a week to respond anytime a citizen is in crisis. So anytime they encounter somebody who has substance use disorder, anytime they run into somebody who needs help, they have the opportunity to waive charges and get them into treatment. Now, thankfully, we have a very forward-thinking district attorney here in Lancaster County as well. Apparently so, who yeah. Willing, who's willing to waive those charges and allow the officers that discretion to be able to say this person needs help, not jail. That is incredible. I mean, it's it's awesome. It's wonderful that they're doing that. It's also, I mean, there are a lot of a lot of police departments, a lot of DAs. Their entire system, their entire careers are built on criminalizing addiction, uh, uh, empowering drug cartels, and then you know bilking them for revenue, like. You know that's how they get their their new cars. That's how they get their 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 you know their systems funded is through basically skimming off the drug war and criminalizing a bunch of people that get caught in the the crossfire of that of that drug trade. Uh, mostly addicts that are you know trying to trying to you know support their addiction. 
Um, so it's great that they're realizing this isn't just a thing you can skim off of. This is a problem that is destroying communities and it needs to be needs to be addressed differently. Now let's let's walk through this. So um, tell me how this works. So let's say hypothetically I am in Lancaster and I am uh, I, I'm I'm a drug addict and uh, or I should say I'm no longer in recovery. I've fallen off the wagon. I uh, I am uh, you know uh, either overdosing or I get caught with a substantial uh, amount or or a personal use amount or whatever. We know how that usually goes. How does that go under the program that that you've created, Second Chance PA, uh, with these with these police departments and DAs? Well, I'll tell you one of the stories from probably 2019. Uh, okay. We had an individual who was in a place called West Lampeter Township, which is a nice little suburban township here in Lancaster. And that individual was driving his pickup truck back to his farm because we have a lot of farms out here. Uh, and he had uh, gotten pulled over for something, probably speeding, who knows. Uh, and it was found that he had seven and a half or some grams of methamphetamine on him mm. and a shotgun in the back of his truck. Because, you know, a lot of people have shotguns around of here. Of course. Yeah. You know, for hunting purposes, probably. I yeah, assume. no, of course. You're hunting. It's on a farm. I'm a felon. I have no idea. I'm not allowed to have a gun. Think about a gun. Be near a gun. Uh, I'm probably going to jail. What's a gun? A, a, a gun, yeah. you're saying? I don't even know what that is. What's yes. That? So when you talk about the Second Amendment, uh, that doesn't doesn't count for us felons. Uh, we're not allowed. I've never heard of that either. Them. So, But uh, this guy, uh, I won't drop his name, but great guy. Uh, he was struggling pretty bad. You know, yeah. he was not doing well. And the officer that night knew it. They knew. They knew he wasn't doing okay. And they called us out and they said, hey, let's get this guy some help. And our CRS went on scene uh, down in the cornfields, wherever the heck it was in West Lampeter Township. And they met with the individual and the officer. And the officer worked with the CRS to get that person into treatment that night. And I can tell you, uh, two and a half, three years later, he's still doing extremely well. Uh, still sober, living a, a perfect life. And, you know, he loves the West Lampeter Township police because yeah. they could have put him away. Right. They could have thrown that book at him, put him in the cage and said, look, you're just a criminal. You're a loser. You're a bum. Yeah. And you know what they said? They said, no, I see you as a person. And I believe that you have a chance to get better. Let's do it together. And then the police and the CRS will then uh, work together. The CRS keeps the police informed of how they're doing in treatment and so on and so forth. And yeah, there's uh, just nothing more powerful when a police officer sends a message through to a person in treatment and says, I believe in you. You're doing a great job. You know, like there's that's stuff that doesn't get to happen very often. That stuff yeah. did not get to happen for me. And, you know, that family has now been restored. That family has their, yep. their son back. And, you know, I, that is just one of hundreds of cases that I can tell you about. And there's nothing cooler, nothing cooler than to be a part of something like that, watching a transformation. And I know, you know, it's like, cause you've had a transformation yourself Yeah. And, and there's nothing, nothing greater than watching that. Especially when you contrast it with how that would have ended otherwise. Let's take a step back. He's in a car, he's in a truck with meth and a gun usually that turns into look at this i mean you've seen the facebook post look at this dangerous 
criminal mastermind with his giant bag of meth we found and they put it on a table and the dog is next to it and it's like this whole and this gun you know and they make it sound like this guy was a, a kingpin terrorist and everyone and then all the people good job please uh, thanks for protecting me from a drug addict who had a gun a shotgun for personal protection and and so and so they cry and and of course this person's life is ruined uh certainly whatever led them to using meth probably means they're not well positioned to try to uh climb out of the hole they just ended up in uh prison uh criminal record uh you know uh, pro- not having their addiction dealt with or addressed so they're probably still on whatever they were addicted to and instead on the scene a specialist in dealing with people that are in that are are in addiction shows up to talk to him and, and but so real, just taking a step back how does that go like okay so the crs shows up what what kind of conversation is had there this is fascinating that's a that's a different conversation in every case. I mean, there <laughs> I are so, okay. so many different ones, but you know, something like that probably would have been a, you know, hey man, uh, you're standing here arrested effectively. Uh, this is probably not going very well for you. You know, do you want yes. to do something a little bit different? And a lot of times, you know, people will see the dire situation that they're in and be able to understand at least enough to say yes, and at least enough to let us do something for them and give it a shot. And you know, that shot and that opportunity is all somebody needs because that's all I got in 2007 was an opportunity and I took yeah. advantage of it. What I want to do is give that opportunity to as many humans as possible. That is incredible. So so they, they get a person on the scene who basically talks about their options here, which, I mean, you want to talk about having a, a position, uh, negotiating from a position of strength. You're sitting there go, listen, we can get this go one of two ways. You can have your life ruined uh, or we can we can help you and you can actually because re- your life was already getting ruined before you even got here. Let's face it. And now here's an opportunity for you to, to, to restore it. And then and then so you the the your program uh blueprints works with this person helps them to get the, the 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 care they need counsels them through it helps them through their their rehab and everything else stays in touch with the officers who often in turn stay in touch with the person in recovery to let them know that they're doing the right thing and what a great job and i believe in it. that's i mean I, I i almost shed a tear on that that's absolutely beautiful and and then mm-hmm. they they come out of it and they are so just to, to be clear they have no criminal record from this and have the opportunity to essentially walk away from this not just unscathed by the criminal justice system but actually made whole and no longer in addiction correct correct and that's the end goal is for them to resume a vital place in the life of their families and community and yeah. you know however we get to that point is however we get there uh, for everybody it's different as you know substance use disorder and addiction is a very personalized individualized yes. thing yep. and you know what works for you might not work perfectly for me what works for me might not work for the next guy and yep. that's why it has to be treated as an individualized thing instead of a blanket tossed over a problem like it has been since the dawn of time basically and you know the um I think another the first the first case that we had we actually were set to launch on January 1 2019 and the first case that we had came about two weeks earlier we had just done a training with the two two police departments that we started with 
And in the training, we go over the brain science of addiction, which is something that almost zero police officers have heard about. Uh, we talk about the continuum of care and what it takes to get somebody from hopelessly addicted to living a life of purpose. And then we talk a little yeah. bit about my life and kind of how that, uh, you know, relates to that brain science and relates to that continuum of care. And uh, what happened was a uh, that night, later that night, we did the training at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m because that was their shifts. And uh, later that night, 2 a.m., the next morning, I guess you would say, uh, one of the officers, a sergeant, who was pretty close to retirement, probably the last guy I thought would ever make a call to us. Uh, he encountered a woman who was passed out behind a dumpster at Kmart. And she was wow. drunk. She was drunk. Yeah. And uh, I guess when he shined the flashlight in her eyes, she woke up and swung at him, you know, because when you're drunk and passed out, you don't December, know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. know what's going on. You have no uh, idea so what's going on. Yeah. You had the, the foresight to think, oh my gosh, maybe I can get this lady some help. And he called me on my cell phone because we didn't even have a phone number set up yet. Uh, he called me on my cell phone at, you know, two in the morning and I grabbed a CRS and we whipped up and met this lady. And the CRS got her into treatment that night. It further turned out that she was a registered nurse. And had she gotten charged with this, you know, crime of swinging at the officer and being drunk in public, and she would have lost her license. She would have lost her job. She would have been, you know, God knows what would have happened to that poor woman. But right now, right. she is almost four years sober. Probably a great nurse. You know, she's probably doing way better at all of those things. All because that one officer had the foresight to say, this is a human and I need to treat this human as a human and get her help. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm amazed by the, by th how the, I, I shouldn't say I'm amazed. I'm happy about the success of your program and how it's getting people out instead of having them, you know, criminalized, just the opposite. It gets them back on their feet. You know, we often don't talk about, we talk about the cost of the war on drugs, but we don't talk about the opportunity cost. Now we're libertarians, right? We know Austrian economic, the opportunity cost of all these people who could have been productive and, 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 and contributing members of society and instead run up a bunch of costs in the, in the criminal justice system you lose their all of the money that they would have made. Their ability to support their family is gone. The ability to support themselves are gone. Uh, you know, they often end up uh, because of being criminalized and, and being traumatized through the, the prison system. They end up themselves becoming violent. Like we don't often talk about the opportunity cost. That all is amazing. What further amazes me and probably amazes me even more is that so far you've told me a story about officers that encountered someone with meth and a gun. And then another officer who got swung at. And in both cases, these officers responded, I think this person needs help. Now, is that as, what do you, do you attribute that to that's just how the police are in your area? Or do you think that the work you've done with them has helped to humanize addicts to that? Like, what do you attribute that to? Because that seems insane. That's, that's what's impressing me the most right now. I think both. I think both. Okay. I think most, probably not all, but most police become police to be helpers. They yeah, become police I agree. to serve, yep. you know, and, and not everybody, because I'm sure there are some terrible ones. But yes. I think at a base level, 
you know, even if we're all growing up as kids, you know, being a cop looked like a cool job because you get to, you know, do stuff and help people and, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that that is there in most police somewhere, even if they're jaded, even if they've been on the job forever, you know, they're, that's still there somewhere. And I think the training that we provide gives it definitely a human feel because you can see that I have been successful in my life and I am clearly standing in front of them, not struggling, hurting, you know, dying, anything like that. But my yeah. history has shown with multiple arrests, multiple you know, horrendous detoxes in jail, multiple, you know, burglaries, robbery, things that I should never have done, never would have done in my right mind. They can see that there is recovery. Recovery is real and there is real hope. So I do think that that plus the training and learning about the brain science of addiction and understanding that it's it's not a moral failing. It's not a willpower lacking. Yeah. It's not a yeah. anything not like that. Both. All the stuff yeah. that society and Nancy Reagan have told us it is. You know, it's, it's not that. So I do think that both of those things contribute to those officers being able to act like that. So you're not just restoring the lives of those in addiction. And the work you're doing isn't just doing that. You're restoring, you're restoring a lot of officers purpose and understanding of, at least when it comes to addicts, how that the that recalling that these are people and also that they're not an abstraction of the addict that's ruining our community they themselves yeah. are a victim of what's happening as well uh but also in how to deal with them so yeah. it, it's there's and layers now, here of of what's happening yeah now to a point because obviously you know nobody ever held me down and forced me to drink nobody ever held me down and forced me to shoot heroin so i made a lot of very selfish terrible choices to get me to the point where I no longer had a choice in my brain. So I don't want for any second to think that we are taking the responsibility away from people. We are giving them responsibility no, of to restore their lives. Absolutely so not. that's just one of those things that a lot of people get stuck on with this, especially in the training, especially a lot of the older officers who have grown up through the Nancy Reagan era where just say no was the answer. And, uh, you know, those guys, uh, they learn in that training that that's not the case. You know, there is an actual neural pathway created in the brain of an individual who abuses substances of yes. abuse. And yep. when they learn that science, coupled with an actual uh, example of recovery, I think it's just too compelling. The evidence is too compelling for them to say, oh, well, you know, screw these guys. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, that they have to look at it and they have to see that it's real. And then when they make that first call, it's unbelievable. I mean, it brings yeah. up uh, another one from, from that area, West Lampeter. Uh, we had a guy who, you know, I don't remember the exact circumstances of his case, but he was struggling. His family was, you know, not doing okay as a result of it. And the officer down there made the connection with them through a domestic disturbance or something. And, uh, you know, she called us in and we got him into treatment that night. And that individual now works for Second Chance PA and it goes out on responses. And the officer in question, uh, she still gets a Christmas card every year from that individual, that individual's mom and that individual's grandma. They are so thankful to have their son back, their grandson back. And they're just so thankful that that officer had the compassion 
to treat him like a person instead of just shove him into the system that's not going to do anything for him. An officer got called out to a domestic disturbance, which presumes there might have been some, I don't know this, but presumes there may have been some actual, like an altercation or, or at least the threat of such, which means that yeah. typically an officer responding to that, there's a heightened level of adrenaline and potential escalation of force. And instead, the officer showed up and again said, this person needs help. And then now they're like friends and get, and, and that person is now helping in your organization. Uh, uh, Paul Boyd uh, made a, an incredible point. And I, I think that speaks to what you're saying. You know, we're talking about recovery for addicts. If, if there are law enforcement officers who have been, you know, structured to believe that law enforcement is this sort of like feedback mechanism of, of harming people back who are doing harm in the community, that kind of becomes a sort of addiction in a way. And you're teaching them that's not true. And here's actually, you're dealing with people with medical problems. You wouldn't beat someone up for having a broken leg um, and wincing if you got near them. So you wouldn't treat it this way. You're actually, you're doing recovery work for some of these officers as well. Actually, in, in a lot of several cases, at least, we've run into officers and or members of officers' families that we've, we've actually been able to do interventions on and get into recovery just as a result of those trainings that, that we've done. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it's it's some unbelievable stuff. Uh, the one training we did, uh, an officer, because I give out my number at every training so that anybody can call me, text me anytime, ask me questions, whatever it might be. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. that officer waited until later that night and he had drank uh, several beers, you know, to get up the courage to call me and just say, you know, how much he appreciated what was going on and that he and yeah. his daughter were struggling with addiction and uh, he asked me to come help. And just, you know, these are people I looked at as an enemy for the longest time. And there's yeah. just something so freeing and so powerful uh, to be able to look at them as people. You know, they're they're no different than we are. They're just people who have jobs that they're just people with jobs. Yeah. With our lifestyle sometimes. You know, that has been something I have struggled, continued to struggle with is, is I've been a, a libertarian and an anarchist for quite some time. And I was very fuck the police for a very, for a while. And it is interesting getting involved in, in running for office, which meant talking to libertarian cops who said, you know, and again, I, I still have, I still believe, you know, as long as there is a war on drugs and a war on guns and a war on poverty and so forth, that I think officers should be taking a much more active role in not just saying I'm doing my job and making that okay. But I realized the, the lengths that I go to remembering that I'm dealing with human beings, I often was not applying to police. And that is something that I have to consistently remind myself when I will see, you know, some cops, some cops bragging about drug halls and, you know, bragging about there was one that was bragging about taking signs from homeless people that said, God bless, you know, and, and basically soliciting or whatever. And, and, and remembering, like you said, at some point, something got screwed up there. And it's, it's folks like you and I, I know you know this, but I'm making sure everyone knows this. You're helping those cops recenter if they were ever there for a noble reason, which I, I agree with you. I think the vast majority are. 
if they were there for a noble reason, you're helping them to reconnect with what that noble reason was. Because for a long time, it's, well, I'm the sheep dog and I need to protect the sheep from these wolves and they're just wolves and they're bad guys. And it's like, no, 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 you're not white hat. They're not black hat. You're human beings. Everyone is in a situation. Everyone needs help at some point. You get to be the one who gets to help these folks. And I, I think that's absolutely beautiful. Here's, here's a couple comments that we've had. Uh, just a bunch of people, fantastic, wonderful. We love this. I love this so much. Someone uh, made sure asked me to post the details on my page. Uh, that's not all we're going to be doing. We're going to be working directly with, with Chris. You are the power is going to be working directly on this. We're going to try to do everything we can. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, uh, AJ Campbell says, uh, thank you for sharing your success. Thank you, AJ. Tim Weissong, and this actually, this dovetails well into what I was about to ask you. Tim Weissong says, this needs to be duplicated everywhere. Let me ask you about that, because my understanding is you are now up to, this isn't just in one borough or one district. Tell, tell us about how you've been expanding recently. So we have gone uh, in uh, December 2018, we started with two police departments. And those two police departments were Elizabethtown Borough, which is two square miles of not a whole lot happening here in uh, Lancaster <laughs> County, and yeah. Northwest Regional Police, which is the 45 square miles of cornfield and highway surrounding Elizabethtown Borough. And <laughs> yes. since then, that's an accurate description. You can look it up. It's real. Uh, I believe you. <laughs> since then, we've expanded to 24 police departments in our county. And that covers the entirety of the county, save one very old, very crusty police chief that will hopefully retire soon. Yes. So this is something you are expanding it through the county. Is this, I assume this is something you want to see statewide? Yeah. So we've, we've talked to the office of the inspector general, which has a um, citizens commission on policing to keep an eye on the state police and just how they operate. And I love the work that they're doing. And they're talking about trying to expand this a bit. And as you might imagine, it's been very difficult, especially here in Lancaster, which is a very, very red, super conservative, ultra conservative area, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, (laughs) and Pennsylvania. No, I know where you are. Yes, yes, you know Pennsylvania. I mean, we're not I that know bad here. I, I have, I have, uh, I have very close loved ones and family in the Hanover area. That's right. We were talking about that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, this we've we've grown pretty tremendously. Uh, we started out uh, self-funded because nobody would fund something this crazy, uh, so we paid for it out of pocket because we believe in this yeah. program. We believe in this model. And we, we self-funded it. So eventually, after about a year and some change of proving the concept, uh, the federal government hucked some money down to the state. And I'm sure the, some of it disappeared. And then they hucked it down to the <laughs> county level. And then they, they hucked it at us. And they gave us a grant to you know, expand the program where we were able to add four additional responders because of this grant. And actually, they covered it for about a year and some change. Then we got in trouble for not spending all of the money because apparently you need to spend all the money. Uh, so I thought to do a great job saving eighty thousand dollars. So it was not not correct. So we lost the grant. Uh, we went back to self funding. Uh, wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. I, I have to stop you there for a second. I have to stop you. Okay, this is okay. Okay. Then the county picked it up because our county is awesome and it is yes. now a covered service in the county. So go ahead, please. 
No, no, no. And that's great that they count. Sounds like your county is like the best government ever. But I just wanted, at least when it comes to this, I just want to be very clear about something. What Chris just told all of you is that because he tried to save taxpayer money, the feds in the state went, no, absolutely not. No, we're never giving you money again. You're supposed to spend every penny of that. It wasn't the state. It was it was the feds. The feds. Like, the feds were like, yeah. no, your account. No, you have to spend every nickel of this or you were never getting. A, that is that is I mean, that's on brand for the federal government. Uh, so you now have this going. You are expanding it across your county. Uh, and hopefully, and, and even possibly into the, the, can you imagine if the Pennsylvania state troopers start doing this? We're actually very close to getting the troop in Lancaster on as a test run. So we're, we're getting close. It's just very difficult because they are very militarized and they only listen to the person above them. Yes. And there's very little, you know, thought put into it unless through the people at the top. And now the people at the top are starting to listen and starting to understand what we have going here and how we can take a lot of their problems away from them. Uh, You know, if you think about it, every single time they make a referral to us, that individual's gone. That individual's not even able to reoffend because they're out in treatment. They're getting better. They're in the hospital, you know, they're wherever they're supposed to be. And it's not just go to jail for one night, get popped back out, relapse immediately, start offending again. Uh, I think they're starting to realize that this is going to crush the recidivism. This is going to take a lot of the busy work off of their plates and let them focus on the stuff that I, I would hope to focus on, you know, uh, not me not getting shot when I drive around Pennsylvania, you know? Yes. I like, yeah. I like not getting shot. I mean, that's a, it's a great, my, one of my favorite things in a given day is to not get shot. Um, the, uh, the, the, I I highly recommend it. Um, because you're reducing violent crime. Like this is across the board. This is solving so many problems that the criminal justice system, uh, has not done much to help. They've been treating everything as a, as a, a a mole to be whacked in an endless game of whack-a-mole. But the problem is the moles come back stronger and stronger and stronger and, and bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more and more traumatized. And it's it's not actually fixing the problem. One of the things that I think is changing this is because the public is getting sick of the war on drugs, even if they don't think drugs should be legal necessarily or they don't think that, you know, uh, uh, the harder drugs should be decriminalized. They at least recognize the way of doing it this way ain't working. Even if it's still supposed to be illegal or whatever, at least this isn't working. And so if for nothing else, it's in their best. And even if they don't have a heart, even if even if they they can't be, you know, humanize this this for them, at the very least, they need to get reelected. So, I mean, if if nothing else, you can demonstrate that you can be the politician uh, that said that I was going to fix the recidivism rate, I was going to clear out our jails, but also reduce the crime rate, uh, and and that this is the way to do it. I was going to end or greatly reduce the overdoses that are happening in our in our state, in our county, and so forth. And and this is, yeah, uh, 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 Justin is saying in the chat, to protect their budgets. I mean, if, if nothing else, to, to protect, you know, the, having access to control of the budget and everything, this is... 
this is uh, it's it's incredible, man. It's it's great that you're doing. Uh, what I want to ask you is, and and uh, and we can talk more details about this. Is uh, I'm actually starting a, a, a half the reason I part of the reason I brought you on. Um, I'm starting an organization called You Are the Power, and without going into too much detail on it, it's basically going to be a single issue. Uh, localized activism organization for libertarians to work with everyone on identifying problems in our communities and then identifying the solutions to those problems and then and hear me out here going and trying to implement those solutions by going to the people in office bringing a large enough group of people to show that it's politically advantageous for them to do so and actually push for those goals to happen Um, the reason I bring this up is uh, I would like to work with you in the future, now and in the future, to help expand um, blueprints and, and and blueprints for addiction recovery and second chance PA. Not just within PA, I would like to try to take this model to other places that are receptive to it and see if we can have a second chance America. Would you like to be a part of that? One billion percent, yes. Uh, awesome, that would man. literally That's... make my life. I mean, I've spent thousands of hours over the last three years, you know, training police, riding along with police, uh, you know, just kind of learning about them and, and really getting to know them on a one-on-one level. And even the yeah. you know, county politicians around here, uh, you know, there are zero elected libertarians anywhere near here. Um, yeah. I think there might be one or two in you know, another county or something, but yeah, yeah. it's a very non-politicized thing. I mean, we have Republicans, we have Democrats, and they work literally together to make this happen. And, and nobody makes this political in any way, shape, or form. It's about the community, and it's about people. Yep. And it is about restoring their lives. And I'm so thankful that we have people here that allowed this perfect storm to come together to prove a concept that works. That so, is yes, awesome, I would with you. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to it, man. I look forward to pushing this around. The, a bunch of people are joining on right now saying what I missed. It's been an hour, guys. Like, come on. So uh, long story short, you're going to have to listen or, or either watch or the whole thing when it's over or listen to it. But long story short, uh, this is Chris Dreisbach, and uh, uh, he and I are going to uh, end the war on drugs and addiction in our lives. Long story short, I mean, that there's, you can unpack it a little bit more than that. But that's basically, we're about to work on doing that, starting in, uh, in uh, Central PA and then working out from there. Um, but uh, I, I think it's incredible, man. I, I am so happy that you are on uh, and that we got a chance to talk about this. Um, I, I would definitely like you on more in the future. We're going to do updates on how this is going. Uh, I cannot wait to get started on this. Um, but I, I, I want to ask you, because you have been an incredible guest, uh, and, um, uh, well, I want to mention, so, uh, the scientific libertarian says zero people have died in a safe usage clinic, which is less, uh, than the number of people who have died in a Chuck E. Cheese, which is quite an interesting statistic there. Um, I'll agree with that statistic. I mean, it's, it's probably true. I'm sure it is because I've been to a couple <laughs> Chuck E. Cheeses that were pretty rough. So that, that makes sense. But, uh, before I let you go, I, I seriously, I'm so thankful uh, for, for you, for you, what you're doing and also for being on the show. Um, and, uh, but before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to give your final thoughts, let people know how to reach you, let people know if there's anything coming up that they can help with in PA. Um, whatever you want to talk about for however long you want to talk about it, Chris Dreisbach, the floor is yours. Well, I'm going to mute myself just to, I, I mean, you can say, well, I think, I think first and foremost, if anybody's watching this that is struggling with addiction, 
the most important thing to remember is you have a medical problem. It's not your fault. It's not a failing. It's not, you're not terrible. You're not a criminal. You're not bad. Get help. Reach out. Ask members of the community who are in recovery for help. Call SAMHSA. Do a Google search. It's 2022. Go to blueprintsrecovery.com. You know, we're always happy to help anybody anytime. Um, that's the most important thing that I want to get out of the way. But also, if you want to get involved in this, go to your elected officials, go to your police departments and say, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we treating humans like humans? Why are we still putting people in cages? Why are we acting like it's 1972? It's 2022. Let's move into the 21st century together. Let's help our neighbors, help our families, help our friends get better. And we sit here with an entire generation dying, dying, overdosing on opioids. I can't even tell you the hundreds of friends that I've lost. I can't tell you the hundreds of families I've seen torn apart, all because of something that is treatable and preventable. And it's completely unnecessary for it to continue happening. We have the answer to addiction. We just need to spread that around a little bit more break down those stigmas, come together and beat this thing. And really, thank you, Spike, for bringing me on here because this has been a blast. I didn't even realize it's been an hour. It only felt like 15 minutes. <laughs> it went by quickly, right? By the way, and, I, and thank you. And like I said, we're just getting started on this. We're going to do some incredible stuff together, man. And I, I have to give the, another shout out because Mary is still watching. Mary, uh, for this is for you and for Ken because, and I will say this as someone who also uh, is a recovering addict, uh, and who is also incredibly grateful for very supportive parents. I am certain that there were times when supporting this young man right here didn't wasn't quite as pleasant as it is right now, and that you still did it because you loved him and you knew what he was capable of doing and you knew that he was going to get past it. Now look at what he's doing. He's saving lives, and you have a very big part of that. You're, you're, I, I, I don't even know the full story, but I know the full story. I know that your support uh, is a major instrumental part of why Chris is still here with us, why he's healthy with us, and why he's doing the incredible things he's doing, which we are just getting started on. So huge shout out for you, the least of which for voting for me. I mean, that's on the scale of things. I mean, again, I brought it up because that is important that you did, and I thank you for it, but... Uh, that is the the least of what I thank you for. Thank you for this young man, and let me make sure I'm pointing correctly, and, and for the work we're about to do. And so shout out to both of you. Chris, lots of love. We are going to get a lot of really great stuff done. I can't wait to get started on it. Uh, Samara uh, Kovarubias, I hope I'm saying that correctly. She wants to expand this to Ohio. With, and Liberty Shamrocker said the same thing. Uh, that's that's the right, right next door. So no, this is all we are going to, folks, this is... This is a lot of restoration we are about to do, and I, I'm excited to do it. Chris, thanks again for coming on, man. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Stick around, man. We're going to talk during the outro. Folks, thanks again for joining this incredible episode of My Fellow Americans, and thank you. Thank you. She said she's proud of both of us. Mary said she's proud of both of us. Thank you, Mary. I'm proud of you as well. Thank you. Um, and uh, But thank you for joining this episode of uh, My Fellow Americans. 
uh, definitely stay tuned. Follow uh, Blueprints for Addiction Recovery. Uh, follow uh, Second Chance PA. Be sure to uh, to follow them, share their content, make sure people know about them, spread the word about this. We're going to do some incredible, incredible stuff. Dakota Logan says, want to see this happen in Arkansas. There's, We want to do this everywhere guys so uh justin says smash the like button wherever you see this guy and his stuff like follow subscribe and and, and the rest of that uh but again folks thanks so much for tuning in uh we are going to keep you updated on this uh and we're just getting started be sure to tune in tomorrow thursday at 8 p.m eastern for the writer's block where my uh muddied waters co-host matt wright has his show uh his guest is andrew heaton and they're going to be talking a very, very deep conversation, a very, very cool conversation about uh, foreign policy, uh, specifically in regards to Ukraine and Russia. Uh, It's already pre-recorded, so I already know how awesome it is. Uh, You do not want to miss that. Uh, Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern is uh, a matinee episode of Mr. America, The Bearded Truth with Jason Lyon. Always a great episode. Be sure to tune into that. And then we will see you right back here next Wednesday is actually going to be the Muddy Waters of Freedom. We're not having an episode of My Americans next Wednesday. That'll be the following Wednesday, but we will see you right back here. Same spike place, same spike time for another episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom uh, Wednesday at 8 p.m. And then the following week, I'll be back with my show, My Fellow Americans. But again, folks, oh, and I always forget to do this. Subscribe, 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 become a subscriber, subscribe, subscribe, become a subscriber, less than $10 a month, all sorts of stuff. I forgot to tell you earlier that you get a discount at a bunch of different stores and the Muddy Waters Media Store. You're packed. It pays for itself. I'm practically giving it to you. That's how good of a deal it is. Uh, But again, thank you again for being a part of my fellow Americans. I love you. Can't wait to see you again. And I will see you for the next episode. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. God bless, guys.
be wild.